0: hey everybody it's lee uh today we have an nhler a olympian a world junior champion but above all a great human being adrian Plazic joins us today on our kids play hockey he played for team canada he also had a lengthy nhl career and then a career in switzerland in the pro league over there we touch on everything from the experience of going to play division one college and olympics and world junior championships within a few year period all the way to his life today Uh, which is really focused on the mental fitness and well-being of of everybody. But we talk about specifically, obviously, youth athletes and hockey and his life and journey through the game. It's a fantastic episode, Uh, so make sure you check it out. Also, I'm really excited to finally let you know uh, our new website, Game7Group.com is up. If you are a parent or a coach or even a business owner looking to do some team building this season uh, or for the year coming up, we have now uh, put that all together on Game7Group.com where you can get a 15-minute call to look at your business with us. And you can do everything from a one-day Zoom session to an in-person session to a year-long thing if you want to. But uh, as you know, team building is an incredibly important part of success. The teams that win do it, and we have worked with a lot of teams that have won. <laughs> so if you're looking to improve your team for this year uh, or this fall, whether it's sports, business, nonprofit, medical, anything, head over to Game7Group.com right now. Uh, book that 15-minute meeting with me, uh, and we can go over uh, uh, the plans for the future and how to get your team to where you want them to be uh, this year or this season. But without further ado, let's jump into this episode with Adrian Plavsic on our kids play hockey. Hello hockey friends and families around the world and welcome to another edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. I'm Lee Elias with Christy Cashano Burns in Syracuse and Mike Benelli who's out in Norway right now and we are joined today by a former collegiate pro and Olympic defenseman who played for UNH before skating through an eight-year NHL career, before moving to the Swiss National League for another 11 years, where he currently resides. He's joining us from Switzerland today. His resume also includes the highly coveted World Junior Championship gold in 1990 and an Olympic appearance where he won a silver medal with Team Canada in 1992. Uh, Following several years coaching after his playing days today, He's a dedicated life coach, which, in his own words, supports high-level achievers and helps them find ultimate success by matching their vision and goals with their innermost essence. We are absolutely going to dive into that and how it applies to your kid today. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Adrian Plavsik to the show. Adrian, welcome to Our Kids Play Hockey.
1: Yay. This is good.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to, yeah, sharing my experience and what I'm doing now and really trying to make a difference Uh, you know the things that I learned hockey when I played was so much different and I think today we have so much information and resources so I'd love to share and hopefully give back give something back that you know kids can use parents can use as well so I'm looking forward to it.
0: I'm looking forward to it too. You know, so Agent. one of the funny parts about being the host of this show is I want to dive right into the mental health and the mental fitness stuff and, and pick your brain about that. But I know that our audience always uh, uh, loves a little bit of background and a little bit of uh, hockey before we dive into the mental stuff behind the hockey. So I'm actually have a very specific question for you that probably will allow you to do both. Um, but I want to focus in on your your college and and world junior and Olympic time period. That was a lot of heavy hockey in a short amount of time. So can you tell us about that process, both from a hockey standpoint and a mental standpoint of that, of that, you know, several years of your life, because suddenly you're on a division one collegiate stage, then you're on the world stage, both junior and Olympics. I mean, that's, that is not little things there. That is that for Canada amongst other teams. And then you win, uh, if I'm not mistaken, your gold medal in the world junior championship uh, was the first time that it happened in a while. And then your Olympic silver, it hadn't happened in decades, correct?
2: Yeah, I'm not sure how far back with the Olympics. So we have silver medal thing. Interesting in '92 in Albertville was a non. Um, the, the NHL players were not available, so they they kind of changed some some years allowed it, right? And others not. So we had like a lot of guys had opportunities. Uh, But we still had some pretty amazing players like Lindros was coming into his, into his career. So, you know, he was part of our team. So we had some really, really amazing players. I think for me, I think the age was 15, 16, where I just really took off, you know. So I, my parents came from the former Yugoslavia. And so hockey was not, you know, part of that culture, really. Uh, Sorry about that. I'm going to um and um so i grew up playing soccer and hockey and uh i just knew like watching hockey night in canada that you know as a 10 12 year old said this is what i want to do so i spent my days um either playing street hockey um being you know organized hockey but we had the outdoor rinks because montreal was really cold so all the tennis courts were turned into rinks and I was like, I, I I was out there all the time. I think that was what eventually is a, you know, someone who was average in the beginning, all of a sudden I just took off like around 14. And it happened so fast, you know, I mean, it happened so fast. Midget started, people started noticing me. And then I was, you know, uh, predicted to go, um, you know, fairly high. I had a scholarship um, where, that's what I decided. UNH offered me a a scholarship for four years, ended up staying a year. And, you know, it just happens so fast. You're just playing. And then, you know, there's a lot to take in and my parents were not at all like they didn't know much about hockey and having to decide for agents and this, I mean, I I wish I would have had a little bit more support and, a little bit more guidance and, and mentorship. I think that that is so important for, you know, someone, you know, going from, you know, real simple life into the limelight because you're just thrown in. And so I think in one way was, it was overwhelming, but you, you do what you do. And, you know, I got to, you know, a certain level, um, that, um, I got to experience, highest league the nhl the olympic games so i'm proud of my accomplishments i know i left some on the table and this is kind of what i want to share you know today with young kids really understand what what how can you optimize you know in terms of having the best experience but also you know, reaching your potential, uh, which everybody's different. Some are slow learners, some start slow, you know, are, are late bloomers. Others are, you know, really good at the start. You know- And we're
1: gonna dive more into that. I was just right. curious, do you have like a favorite memory in the NHL that you could share?
2: Um, well, I, I think what stands out is 92, the Olympics. When I came back, I actually got I I came back for the last 16 games played for the Vancouver Canucks. I was drafted by St. Louis, but was, you know, traded I think was my first year I was traded to Vancouver. And honestly, I got back and I thought the game was slow in the NHL. So because we played on, you know, the big rinks and, you know, the Russians, all these teams skated really well. And I uh, last sixteen games. I was a defenseman. I love to play offensively. So my childhood heroes were even Bobby Orr. I I didn't really see him, but everybody knew he revolutionized the game. But I loved Coffee the way he skated and and Ray Borg. So you know, getting points, skating up in the play. I ended up you know with I think eleven points in sixteen games for the Canucks in mm-hmm. the stretch and then had an amazing playoffs and that's when I signed my one way ticket into the NHL because you know most guys unless you're you know a first round pick and they you know see you as a you know solid NHLer not everybody gets the one way when I played right off the bat so like that's where i felt you know, I kind of really stepped in and I said, wow, this is what is possible for me. And, and same thing in the playoffs, I was, you know, eight, eight points in 12 games, something around that. So for a D man and I was just in, a, I just felt I was in a, in a zone and, um, and uh, yeah, that, that was the most memorable, you know, time because, um I just kind of had that breakthrough that, you know, every young player is looking uh, to create for himself.
0: You know, one thing I want to note here, and, and we try and find common themes in these episodes, Adrian, is uh, you said, you, you know, that that 14 to 16 age period is like when you made that decision, if you will, like, you know, kind of more of a passion decision of, hey, I love this, Right. And it kind of echoes this theme. I'm not knocking youth development in the sense of, you know, that's hockey today. We we start kids young. Uh, but it just goes to prove that the drive and the passion has to be there. If that is not there, it, it's not going to happen for you, your kid, or anybody, anybody in between. And And you cannot take that and put it in a kid. It has to organically develop. And then you can help them culture it. You can encourage them. Um, the other thing, too, is it shows you, again, on a physical side, that 14 to 16 is that time period where athletes really become athletes. There's no nine-year-old that I can look at or Mike can look at or Christy can look at or anybody can look at and say that nine-year-old is going to be the next, and I'll use Eric Lindros because you said it, right, or Conor Bedard or whatever you want to say, right? This process is not uh, set and that that age time, that, that 14 to 16 is a really critical time and if you haven't built up a passion for the game and you haven't built up good physical and mental strategies within your kid at that point, that's also the burnout age. Mike, am I right? Like 14 to 16 is where we start to see the the second cliff after kind of kind of squirting peewee.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think we do more damage to can't miss kids than we help the late bloomer, in my opinion. I, I think we just I think that's where, you know, oh, that's can't miss kid. That kid's going to be so and so. It's and then we do, then we all of a sudden we start intervening <laughs> and we and we, and we try to say oh well, I'm going to help make that kid where you know get where he wants to go and and whether that player just doesn't want to get there or doesn't know how to get there and 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 to Adrian's point didn't have the tools and didn't have the support structure and I mean it sounds like Adrian it sounds like you you know I, I mean in a in a in a kind of a positive way you navigated that world uh, where you must have had really good people recruiting you and asking you to play for them because they didn't manipulate the situation. It sounds like, you know, they let you develop in your own uh, time frame, and they took the skills that you had and, and, and worked them within the structure of, you know, who their team was and, 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 and being good people overall. Right. And I don't think uh, now that we're, we're getting into these situations with kids getting recruited. I mean, I was just with a panel a couple of weeks ago where, you know, there were the, the family advisors speaking with, uh, you know, nine and 10 year old uh, parents, uh, seriously talking to them. Like there's a, there's a, there's a plan for you. And I'm like, you know, that's tough, but, uh, but it's, uh, but again, yeah, I think we know that. I think at, thir- at 13, 14, I and mean, it's not a, it's not an untrue statistic. That's when people decide they don't want to play. And then, it, and it's also the time when players decide I want to play, like I want this. And that's great. And just... Those are the, those are the best ones.
1: Can I pause here? I i guess I'm lost. Nine and 10-year-olds with a family advisor? You could, you That's another episode.
3: That. We're going to go. We're gonna do it. <laughs> I, That's a different episode. I want to make I sure
1: i heard that. You know right? who you are. Thought, <laughs> we know who you, you are. Did you just say nine and 10-year-olds with a
0: family advisor? Well, technically, Seriously? we're family advisors for nine and 10-year-olds with the podcast. Well, that was, I mean, nobody okay. got
3: my, nobody got my joke on the panel, but I'm like, your family advisor is your family. Yeah, like, that's right. who your family advisor is. I mean, I, you know, so, but, I, I, but I think I it's totally uh, that.
1: Okay. Yeah, and, I,
3: and I but I do think I think it's, uh, you know, I think what we're all doing is, is professionalizing kids earlier and earlier and earlier and earlier. And I mean, I, obviously, Adrian does this Lee does this every day with with the groups he works with. You know, that's a huge piece of the puzzle of development, right? Because mm-hmm. all that other stuff doesn't it doesn't it actually affects your kids in a much more negative way than a positive way for the most part. Again, there are the players. We know that. We see them every day. Adrian, you probably played with a million guys. You're like, oh, this this kid's not not missed. No miss. This kid's gonna be, he's gonna be in the NHL. And you're probably the only kid in your whole team that's played in the NHL. So it's just, it, 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 you drive it. And I think that's a great story that you know you're the one that found a way to get outside, play, mm-hmm. explore, you know, find your own game, and uh, you know. So I, I think there is a is there. there I, I I do appreciate the fact that it's a little bit of naiveness there in your family right that it 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 may have helped you who knows
2: well i i look at i compare it if you know the finnish school system what ended up happening is they they were way behind you know in terms of stat and they they thought outside the box and luckily you know not having uh, the pressure what they did is they started letting children be children know for a longer period of time so go out in nature explore that just let you know our natural connection to nature to life just unfold as it is without manipulation and all of a sudden you know there's no exams before i think before the age of 12 or 11 and then what ended up happening is their school system like the the marks and and in terms of, you know, international performance, they just went right up. So, um, you know, I I do think that's real proof of, you know, then you're trying to put an agenda and you're not allowing, you know, kids to develop because when you think about it, a child learns to walk, learns to speak, no one's telling him to do any of those things. <clears throat> And I'm, uh, yeah, I'm a true believer that that needs to, you you need to create a solid foundation. And, and that's a child's essence, you know, that he feels, I know myself, you know, and then from that place, you know, what helped me is I always had the passion, you know, so if I didn't have it, uh, I I don't think I would have put in as much time and, Um, I would have been drawn into because I I did grow up in, in circumstances that weren't always easy. And I think the fact that I was so cocky was my sort of escape where I could forget everything. I, that's what kind of kept me, you know, in a good place. And so um, to say, yeah, everybody's story maybe is a little bit different, but I do think, Um, that makes a lot of sense to me let kids you know develop and then you know once you get to a certain age like lee said 14 16 then you can start you know implementing yeah just thinking about what's the future ahead and and you know talking about that and preparing them for for that life because it's it's not all rosy and you know there's uh there's things that you need to know and it's not just going out and, and playing the game of hockey like you did as a kid.
0: Adrian, you just said something again I want to tap, tap on and, and again, I, I do want to actually get into your international hockey career, but but as the show goes, you say things and, and I like to kind of pull threads. you know you said I, I know myself, I knew myself. Now now look, any teenager, <clears throat> any young adult, they're finding out who they are. And I think one of the things that we don't focus on enough is that we inadvertently are telling kids, hey, you're a hockey player. That's who you are. And your life and your success and your failures are based on the score or your the outcome or how hard you work today. And what ends up happening is, and I've seen this, and it, and it's rough. You get a sometimes a, an 18 to 22-year-old who is so burnt out and they don't know who they are. And their whole life is wrapped up in the success of the game. And I don't believe the success of the game comes from that. I think that, especially in the interviews we've done and the people we've spoken to, the people that really do find success in the game, like yourself, know who they are. And they have an understanding of community and giving back and gratitude. And and again, look, it's not every single athlete that's ever played pro sports, obviously. But I find this to be common across people that have succeeded. It wasn't so much forced on them you know, they were given good ideals at home. So can we just talk for a, a quick minute or two about maybe from a teenage point of view where that is still developing and what parents and coaches can do to help these children, and they are children at that age, we forget that sometimes, discover themselves.
2: Mm. Uh, I guess in, in many ways, it's like giving them the options. I love the, when I hear... Um, kids trying different sports, you know, through developing skills, because, you know, everything, every sport um, allows you to develop um, different skills, so everything that you can use, but also, you know, I think having friends and um, a real family, you know, a family life, I think that's really so important, and so, I have to say, you know, in my story, what held me back somewhat is that I did not completely know myself. Like I I knew that I loved hockey and that was sort of my escape. And, but I also felt that, you know, I, I, I wanted to please so much, you know, that, that was kind of my pattern. So it's like, instead of, you know, going out there and playing the game, you're like distracted by, oh, what's he think of me? What's, Um, that person think of me so I think the biggest thing I I believe is like creating stability within the home life where well I just feel you know so comfortable I can talk about everything you know because in hockey you're going to fail a lot you know a lot more than succeed and so you know being able to be open and share those things be vulnerable and And especially in my time, guys, you know, boys were not really, you know, you were told this is how a boy behaves. And um, But I think just being able to express yourself and and creates a sort of you feel strong because Mm -hmm. you're not, you know, holding stuff in. If I look at my life, I, I tended to suppress a lot of stuff. And I think my experience was performance anxiety. It was because I felt like I can't share like what's going on inside me. And so imagine like a pressure cooker, you're keeping everything bottled down and then it's going to come out some way. So uh, I think home life is is huge and having really good friends that, that's so important, community. um, And then obviously a coach that, you know, brings, especially in those early years, that makes the game fun. You know, like I I did have some, luckily, some coaches who, you know, made it, you know, so fun. And I recall like 6.30 a.m. practice, you know, I was there at 5.30, you know, I was the Zamboni, I knew he'd done the ice, the lights were on. I said, like, let's go. And my dad was like, you know, really nice enough to bring me because I think he saw how invested I was in, in hockey.
0: You know, Adrian, I want to ask this too now. Um, <clears throat> you're an international hockey person, right? You've been in many different places. I'm, I'm watching this documentary on Netflix right now uh, about Schwarzenegger. It's just called Arnold. Uh, yes. it's, and it's really good, right? Yeah. Yeah. you have you been seen that too?
1: My husband yeah. watched it gave it a great review. He was talking yeah. about it before. Yeah.
0: Well, one of the things that stuck out to me on it, and and I'm going to kind of reverse this into a question, was that, you know, Arnold's from Austria. He loves Austria, but he talks about the mentality of Austria kind of in his youth and that it wasn't, you don't go become a bodybuilder. You don't go have dreams. And he knew that to come to America or North America, that's where dreams could happen, right? But he always kept his roots in Austria. He goes back there all the time. Um, And it made me think that I was fortunate enough to live overseas for many years and to see a different perspective, right? Now, uh, you, you spent 11 years playing in Switzerland in a pro league over there. So my question to you is, I'm interested in what, from a worldview, did that open you up to? What are the things that you saw that maybe people who have never left North America don't see that you learn from. And this can go both ways. It's things that you saw in North America that it's not over there, but also the worldly view of being in another country and playing hockey in another country. I love that you said earlier that the NHL seems slow to you when you got back because we kind of have this um, probably not unfair balloon view of the NHL, but that's not the only way hockey's played. Uh, and, and when you and when you watch international competition today, it's a it's it's a it's a different game in a lot of ways. Right. So uh, there's a lot of information there, but uh, I'm always interested in perspectives from people who have played, lived, married <laughs> uh, uh, overseas and how that can impact our audience.
2: Well, for sure. First of all, the NHL has changed now. There's you know, I, I would have been way more suited Um, you know, we had hooking and holding, you know, and referees let that go slap. So I was like, you know, I, I was a skilled player, but I had to fight Marty McSorley. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people did like, I, I was like right in between really being skilled. You know, I had like, you know, 30 points in the NHL as a D man. I'd be high ticket right now. Yeah. So Kill McCarr and, level. Yeah. yeah. No, well, maybe not kill, but <laughs> you know, there's a lot of great what they're looking for now is puck moving defensemen. So I wasn't, you know, it's whether you're either a top OD or you're gonna slug it out, cross-check <laughs> So so I think the game now is probably faster. You know, and and so there was a lot of holding, slowing down. So when I went to the Olympics, big rinks, you had the best of the rest of the world. Like, you know, you had uh Zubov, Malakhov, who played there. You had uh, Bikov, who's a legend in Russia as well. So the game was quick. And I just, you know, you, you play fast and then you get into... The environment, like soon after, and you go, wow, I have time, you know, like I didn't feel under pressure and I had time, and so the environment's so important in you know allowing you know these skills to flourish. Uh, but what I learned in in Europe is that I guess in Canada, school um, balance life was not really, you know, you you played junior, you went to university. Looking back, I I think I wasn't really mature enough. Like eighteen, you're playing with 30, 30 year olds, thirty two year olds in the NHL. And you know, looking back, I would have said that if I stayed, you know, in school till I was twenty two, let just your you you develop, you know, you mature. I think that would have benefited me. And I think certain NHL teams are good at recognizing that whether a player is ready or not mentally, because you're thrown into an 82 game schedule where you're going to get beat up. It's a grind. So recognizing, you know, which, which young players are, are ready for that. And in terms of Switzerland um, you know, they, they mix They're they're not just solely focused on hockey, they're already thinking about, you know, even some guys are working a little bit, even playing pro, so they're kind of thinking already, you know, what's after hockey? And Simon Sinek, Sinek uh, is it Simon Sinek? He Simon talks- Sinek, yeah, I know, I know you're Sinek right. Sinek, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he talks about something really interesting that touched me, is that hockey, like pro athletes struggle a lot of them struggle because they're so they just know hockey and everything's about them it's all about you it's all about what can you do for me so i have a great career and what he says is that sense of community not everybody you know creates it depending on you know how you grew up some do naturally so they have all these connections afterwards i didn't so you you're thrown into, you know, this other life where I could be, you know, selfish, but now I have to bring value. I have to learn new skills. And so he talked about a quarterback who knew that he realized that his days playing in the NFL, I can't remember the name. It's really an interesting conversation. He talked about, he used his career to create his platform, realizing that, you know, that's just something he does and the way he's going to impact, you know, thousands of people is, is after, you know, and, and so he's already has this bigger vision of what he's trying to do. And, and football was just a small part of it. So I think, you know, having that guidance and people see, because you're, you, what ends up happening as a, pro athlete you're so yes shiny object is like oh I can be a star there's money and you think that's going to last forever but like anything it doesn't and then like have you done anything you know have you built something you know while you're in the prime while you're able to influence so now I find myself like really I have to you know find new resources bring value in a different way so really reinventing myself and it's really it's hard work um and uh, and you can see why a lot of athletes struggle after you know their careers
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know one of the things we've discussed in the show before is these kind of three pillars Um, not to keep you from being depressed, but when, when you start to have a lack of these three things, that's when depression sets in. And those three things are, you just tapped on one of them is community. The other two are purpose and identity. And I think what happens with our young athletes sometimes is we get so wrapped up all three into just the game. And then Adrian, as you just said, the game goes away at some point for all of us right? Or or the ability to make a living in the game <laughs> goes away, right? I don't think the game ever leaves us to be fair, but the community you make both in and outside of hockey is very important. We talked before about identity and not having it only wrapped in to, I am a hockey player. It's, I am a son, a daughter, a person. I'm, 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 I have other interests and then purpose, uh, which is something that, that, that I know you have found here recently with your work now as, as a life coach and a coach. Um, a mental fitness instructor. I mean, the, the, the list kind of goes on. Um, I know that you and I believe heavily in certain methodologies that can help athletes and other people get present. Um, And then in giving them and helping them find the tools to do so, I'm interested about how did you discover that side of the journey? Right. And then I do want to dive into, your tips for, for parents, coaches and athletes, uh, from a mental standpoint, now, right, and and it goes so far beyond hockey; it it affects every aspect of your life. But there was a clear turn, it seems, with you into this field. Uh, uh, at a point in your life, tell us about how that happened.
2: Well, I, I think like anything, um, you know, they say that your struggle, you know, ends up the thing that kind of you're looking for solutions. So naturally, um, you know, the times that I did get into flow in my career was you know, most of the time, I, I, I really struggled with, like, being able to relax. And so I think the nervous system, the way it's wired, especially in our younger years, you know, like my parents, I, I love my parents, we grew up in survival, because they have a history, you know, like, in Yugoslavia, there was all these wars, and like, that's how they grew up. So life was like, freaking surviving is, you're you got to survive so when your nervous system is wired like that you're like you, you it's just you just feel a little bit different so i always kind of said i'm doing what i love like why am i not relaxed you know mm. why Why can't i just like um you know i i knew that somewhere i should be enjoying this more and so that kind of put me on a quest of like what can i do to you know to you know quieten the mind but also the nervous system because i think it's really so much of that and and you know and in positive intelligence um you know the saboteurs is as we call them is all these adaptive patterns that we pick up in childhood and um you know we're we're adapting we're where, are you know, we feel like it's a place of fear of lack. And so we're like, oh, I got to be super, you know, perform like super. And it's never good enough. Like you can imagine where that's going to lead, you know, mm-hmm. or that kid who's avoiding, you know, like, oh, I have these feelings and here, these thoughts. So I'm just, I'm not going to engage as much. So there's all these things that are happening unconsciously. And so. I think, um, you know, building what you said is like the human, like, you know, making sure that 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 there's a solid foundation. And from that place, I mean, you can enjoy your life. Hockey is part of life and you're supposed to enjoy it doesn't mean it's always going to be easier, but you're going to be able to put it in perspective and you're going to be able to reach out. You know, you're not going to feel alone. And so my journey kind of took me everything from mindfulness to you know understanding. And um, you know, I had yeah, some interesting things happen in life too. Um, and and maybe I don't know if this is a, a part of what I I share, but I think I'm really open about my story. I had a brother who took his life, you know, at a fairly at 25, I was 27, and I was trying to build. An NHL career, so just understanding that this place inside you that that has to be good, you know, when that, when that's good, when you're in a good place, then you're you're just going to be able to navigate, make good decisions. Um, so I think, um, yeah, and in the performance becomes it's easier to get yourself um, into a place, it's easier to bounce back from a bad game versus i remember sometimes it took me like you know i would make a mistake or you know something was written in the papers and i go man it's still in there like i go what's going on so you're going like can i let that go and that letting go process just happens naturally but it's very much to do with your inner beliefs you know and those are kind of hiding most people don't know what their you know beliefs are it's like somewhere i feel lack. i feel i'm not good enough and that's kind of running the show operating from you know back there and you're not really noticing you're simply reacting Mm -hmm. to the emotions it's creating the thoughts that it's uh bringing forth so i think definitely there's so much we can do you know for young kids just teach them like hey it's okay, you learn strategies and, and learn that, you know, sometimes thoughts, you don't have to, you know, get so caught up in them. And create, I love that is, you know, what is it from the book, uh, The Search for Meaning, uh, Victor, frankly, goes between, uh, um, between a stimulus, um, there's space, there's a space, there's the response The the more space there is, between mm-hmm. stimulus the more you can respond the way you want to and i think that's so key teaching kids you know to be more mindful and and to to kind of understand their emotions their thoughts and and give them tools that they can you know navigate because hockey like many sports it's like quick you're going to make mistakes you're going to lose games that are close you're going to you know cost the game and how do you bounce back and feel like, hey, my my self-worth is kind of, I feel solid. It's untouched. Okay, I'm disappointed. I might be down, but that self-worth, that foundation remains untouched.
1: And maybe we can talk a little <laughs> more about that. Go ahead, Mike. You're left. No,
3: no, just like I'm like, I'm like, it's so frustrating. Yeah. I don't mean to yeah. interrupt you, but what's on my head here? Like when you hear Adrian speak and when you hear a lot of these really great athletes that we've had on and and motivational professionals um, that work in this every day. And then you leave, you know, a bunch of Yahoo's like me coaching kids, uh, you know, that 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 are aren't like professionally trained, you know, to understand what a child's mind and emotions go through that the last thing we need to do is work on power plays and penalty kills Mm. in education. And it's more all of this. And, and I've been, and I'm a, you know, coaching education geek. I mean, I've, you know, I've done all my USA lacrosse, USA hockey, USA soccer, baseball. Like I just love hearing like all the other educational institutions in sport and how they teach um, for the fundamentals. Right. But all of that really goes out the window when you know Adrian, you said it that like you can't even let go of a bad play from four games ago that you're still thinking about it because somebody else brought it up and they're in your head and you're in your head, and I think that neutrality of learning that the past is the past and the and the and the future doesn't matter. You're in now, like the, right now, we're in a, in a in a neutral space that you control. Mm-hmm. Many of us as coaches with the in youth programs um, aren't equipped. To even understand that piece, and I think that's where you know we have this huge disconnect in the educational piece of teaching our kids, because yeah, we could do all this other stuff, and and I just wonder how many kids we're missing on a daily basis from reaching their own potential because we don't even know how to spot that,
1: right? And even with parents too, because I, I gotta be honest with you, you know when we first started in hockey i had no idea what an emotional roller coaster we were going to be riding the highs can be so high and the lows can be so low and within a day i mean you might have the worst game in your life and the kids feel like crap and then the next hour or two they play another game and they're super high i mean nobody really prepares you for for that too you know even even from the parent side of it
2: yeah, for sure. I think one part too is like, you know, where, you I, I think especially I see this when you're young. You know, playfulness is so important. Like maintaining that playfulness because playfulness is like that's the sort of the muscle. It's everything grows in playfulness. It's that fertile ground. Ground mm. it's that. There's so many positive emotions and in that place, everything can kind of flourish. And obviously, you know, as you get older, you have to get a more pro routines and that, but, you know, when I look at you, we talked about Yager, like why he played so long is because like I, I see a kid, the kid's still in mm-hmm. him. Redski was a lot like that. Um, so I think that playfulness is really it's so huge when it starts getting serious way too young oh my god that's a that's a recipe that's a disaster waiting to happen something will go you know so and give you an example in Belgium like um, you know they with soccer or football as they call it they they did something really interesting they 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 were you know dropping in terms of you know talent and performance and world stage and so they started creating smaller fields so playing less kids so two on two three on three so more touches more mm. fun and all of a sudden they started you know developing so at the end of the game uh, at the end of the day sports is a great teacher it's a great way for kids to develop regardless whether you know they make it to the top. It's well, who who makes it you know one two percent so using like what what do I learn from playing sports you know and and keeping it really organic especially early on you' you know you're you're getting in touch with your senses you know hockey That's is, so true. yeah your, your hands your feet you're learning all this and and being able you know to see and I I recall when I played you know and I was you know too anxious my vision just like everything mm. looking down looking and you can tell you know and you go how do i how do i get myself out of that place and so i think a lot of it is just teaching them to relax even though they might be a little bit anxious and you know it's all right and and so you can you know start using breathing um you know early on teaching kids i'm i'm i do breath i have a practice a meditation practice and i think uh, as i get older i'm it's more and more because i realize that it's such a fundamental part of being healthy um so yeah uh, i don't know what the initial question because i i went i just i guess the,
1: the question is what advice would you give to parents who are just starting on out in this journey and they're and they're not prepared for this emotional roller coaster. I I love the idea of introducing the breathing and the meditation because none of that was ever an option for us. Nobody ever talked about that when we started our hockey journey. It still barely
0: is, back. Christy. Just so you know, yeah. when I when exactly. I introduce that to teams, they they go, "You yeah. want to do what?" I'm like, "Just trust me. <laughs> <So> <laughs>
1: you want to do what?" Talk about that. Yeah. How much of a difference can that make, you know, for not even just the kid, but just for the parents who go crazy in the stands.
2: Sure. Yeah. Because they're so kind of attached. And I, I, like I said, I think the biggest piece is be there is support, support the kids, playfulness. Right. Like, okay. like, and then, you know, talk about, uh, you know, get the kids to open up about the experience of losing you know of winning you know even if you score 3 goals in a, of a game uh 3 goals in a game and then the next game you know you're still on that you're not going to you're not going to be present and i think what mike said is that that's the goal is that life happens in the present moment so if you're like dragging stuff you know from the past into the your future you're you're not fully present so i think ultimately your like make the experience the focus the main focus and teach kids how like what do you need to be totally present for this experience so uh playfulness is is huge like I'm I'm big you know it's a it's a game and then you know within that playfulness if that's there as a foundation I think a lot of good things happen and then you can teach them you know um you have a bad shift, you're frustrated, like, you know, get back to the bench and, you know, just grab, you can grab your stick and breathe a few times. That could be an anchor in you, knowing that you have to, you're going to be out there in 30 seconds. So from that place where you're totally frustrated, like you're going to be one step behind, you're going to be, you're you're not going to be in a state to react because hockey happens so quickly. So mm-hmm you know kind of you know help I guess coaches can help that way but uh, yeah just for parents I think just really supporting um, and I think a lot of parents just you know get caught up in in this short vision you know and it's everything's taken out of context when really it's a long ride to get to even if you go pro it's about you know, being consistent and creating the environment where a kid can be, you know, totally himself and, and be consistent. So, yeah. yeah.
3: That's I think Adrian, I think for our, our families, right. And the people that we tend to speak to and speak with and, and, you know, kind of really revolve around kind of this podcast and the, the, the youth level is to almost be the advocate back to the organization mm-hmm. that this is what's important. Like, I don't need another, Power skating clinic. I need this. Like, and we can do this as, a, you know, it's so hard for a parent to be alone on an island and say, oh, my kid's going to do, you know, visualization training and, and motivational breathing. And like, that's really difficult for an 11, 12, 15 year old child to be in a room doing that, like before a game when it's the right thing to do. Right. And everybody else, is like, what the hell's wrong with this kid? And who do these parents think they are? <laughs> like, it just, that's what happens. And I think it so, I always advocate that that's why we want to do it as a team. Now, whether every team member utilizes it or not is that's another story, but if we if we looked at this as a as a practice, like if we taught it as a way of in our development structure, it doesn't become foreign. It becomes practice. It becomes part of your development. And I think what happens most people, I know where we are, um see it as oh, that's what that that's what that, that that one family's doing that thinks their kid's going to go pro. Well, no, they're the kids doing it so that they can enjoy the sport, but we're doing it because we want to have a better team. Um, you know, if you want to be, if you want to be the best teammate, you have to be your best self, right? And mm-hmm. then if you could be your best self, you can now contribute to the team. So I think it's just, a, it's a funny thing how we look at these, these non on ice activities and don't see them as, as or more important than the time we spend on the ice. And that, yeah playfulness and free play and free and the freedom to explore the game is actually where the best players in the world develop. And we don't see that because nobody's watching the kid in the park and nobody's watching the kid go to the tennis courts that are frozen and demanding they go out there and skate. They're just doing it. Yeah, and I, mean. I think that's uh and I, and I so I would implore the people that listen to you and, and the people that were on this, you know, that work with Lee and that, that they, that, Be the advocate for this, because if it helps your kid and you can help your child help the rest of the team, it helps your kid, right? So if you want your team to be successful and you want your kid to get noticed, then help your team. (laughs) And that's Mm -hmm. the sport we're in. Unless you're going to go play tennis or golf or something like that.
1: That is the piece that is missing consistently.
0: It really is. I agree.
3: (laughs) Well, because it's it's, it's for us. It's me, me, me. Like, (laughs) I'm going to do this for my kid. But, yeah, yeah. your kid can't be successful without the team being successful. That's what's great about our sport. I mean that's what's great about hockey. Is what are you that, talking about,
0: be, you know, Mike? What are, you, what are you What are you talking about, man? A hot <laughs> shot with the ten goals. That's the kid. No, go ahead, Adrian. I get it.
3: Yeah, yeah. But Adrian, <laughs> it's your show. So yeah, I, I agree. But I think that I think that's just like that. Those kind of things that you can like that you see, and maybe maybe really talk about, like because you're in Europe and you're in uh, you know you're in like these Scandinavian countries that you see it right. You see it at the the way the children are worked with at the youngest levels. And the sad part is like where I am right now in Norway and talking to Norwegian hockey. They want to be like like they they're trying to make things faster. They're trying to make all star teams earlier. I'm like, no 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 no. This is where you don't go down this route. Like the 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 ability to just to just like, be a player and and be with your friends and enjoy coming to the rink and 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 having that is really what the secret sauce is. That's why a town of you know 400 people can produce NHL hockey players, <laughs> you know, and 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 they can be successful.
2: And and you said something interesting about, you know, visualization all, all related to imagination. Mm. I mean, kids, kids are, uh, what is it Einstein said, like imaginations more valuable than knowledge, because whatever we create, you know, I remember, when I used to go to the rinks, I ma- I imagined me being in front of 20,000 people, no one was telling me do that, because I watched hockey night in Canada. And I think somewhere I was planting seeds, you know, in my mind and and how, you know, it all works. So I think that especially mm-hmm. in, in what I found in hockey, you know, we used to have like, you know, drills when I think back and there's 10 kids in line and one's doing the drill and they're all sitting there and waiting. And I go, oh, my God, like creativity, like creativity, throw a puck out there let them you know figure out let them like as as they learn to walk as you know toddlers they're gonna learn to play hockey so those first few years should be like man touch the puck skate like you know have fun create that environment where you know everybody loves everybody's excited oh i have hockey today i have hockey today Mm -hmm. Um, you know, imagine that what would happen. I, I guarantee you there's a lot of good stuff that, that would happen. And yeah. so yeah, I think Finland and you know, they're really good at recognizing, you know, what is when do you introduce something? Because even, you know, when they do, you know, deadlifts and these major squats, the movements where I see a lot of kids, they you know, they're playing. High levels but they haven't even learned a, a movement pattern like squatting and so the the fins and swedes i find are really advanced in that they they teach them you know the body uh movement patterns which are like you know those are are that's how we move those are the movements that are important to to life and even as you get older so these things still serve me as I'm still, you know, moving to, to stay young. So I think they're really good at, at, uh, you know, putting those in place. So I, I hope I answered your question. Oh,
0: you, you did. A- Adrian, look, I, I got a whole page of notes here that I want to get over because, <laughs> and, and for those of you listening, not watching this, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of passion coming through in Adrian's face when, he, when we talk about this and, and not that you didn't have that when you talked about your NHL career, but you, you, it's, I guarantee you the faces that you're making visually right now are the same ones you were making on the tennis courts as a kid. You can <laughs> see the passion coming through. Um, you know, Going back to that Arnold documentary, you kind of just talked about this. And, and I'm going to say what he said. You got to keep in mind that, that this is Schwarzenegger talking. So you know, he's always very forthright. But he said, dreams are bullshit. Vision is everything. And what he was trying to say was that it's not enough just to have a dream. You have to visualize it. And and it's funny you talked about 20,000 people, Adrian, because he talked about standing on a stage as a kid, thinking about 20,000 people watching him win Mr. Universe. And then it happened. And then he visualized being the best movie star. And then it happened. And then he visualized being, you know, in and then it happened. He visualized it. He didn't just think it. Um, So that's important. A few minutes ago, though, Adrian, you said something very, very profound. And I want to I want to re- repeat it because it kind of was like a, almost a light bulb type statement for me. You said everything grows in playfulness. It's fertile ground. Man, that is a great quote. Uh, and, and I want to make sure that everyone listening equates this well beyond hockey. You know, in my work, whether it's with businesses, nonprofits, doctors, hockey players, this is true in every environment. When I work with a stagnant business, that's what's missing. There's nothing fun about it. There's no play. And you know what's funny is we'll go in, Adrian will do a nice a really simple team building exercise, have them smile, and all of a sudden they want to be at work the next day. Right? Now the misconception is we do this one time and everything's fixed, right? It, it, it you have to consistently yeah. and constantly be intr- you know implementing I did breathing yesterday. I did it. <laughs> Yeah, like, Mike, to your point, I was going to say this, too. I wrote this down. Uh, we talk about the mental fitness and we talk about all the work that we do with teams. And and <clears throat> Adrian, for for your um, like for your knowledge here, it's like, you know, we do breathing exercises with young teams. We do lots of team building. Mike, I've never had a team. This is for everybody listening. I've never had a team come back to me at the end of the season or the end of a session and go, boy, that was a waste of time. I really wish we were working on the power play instead of that. No one has ever said that to me, at least not to my face. (laughs) I should say it (laughs) like that. Right. You know, this stuff works. And and Mike, you know, I find in in the line of work, and AJ, I'm sure you do too, is that the the stigma that surrounds it, the, the way I actually have to almost convince teams is, hey, you'll win more. Now it depends how you define the word winning, but you'll win more if your kids do this. That's how I get attention typically. And then Mm -hmm. once we dive in, I think in Adrian, I'm going to talk about positive intelligence in a second. The world kind of opens up and you realize like, look, winning the game is really not the goal. It's a goal amongst many goals, right? Um, So for Mike and Christy, I wanted to bring this up. Um, Adrian and I are both in 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 a program with positive intelligence. And you brought up before, I think this is important, we discuss this, saboteurs. Right. And and they I kind of equate them to kind of the pressure voices in your head. We all have them. Adrian, you said it right. They're developed in our youth uh, and they come in different forms. For example, you gave some examples earlier. Mine was rest restlessness. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas I always have to be on to the next big thing. And my brain is pushing me. Go to the next thing. Find the next thing. And it's funny because you don't realize that's a saboteur. In fact, that for many years of my life, I thought this was just a great driving force that I don't stop. And I realized I mm-hmm. was never present. I was always to the next thing. And when I became conscious of that, and there's other saboteurs that, that, again, for those of you listening, you can find these things that you have. When you become conscious to them, then you can switch, Adrian, to the sage mindset. And, and you can't see this, Adrian. I'm in my office right now. I have the sage perspective poster up on my wall and I always have it there. And in short, for everybody listening again, and Mike and Christy, the sage perspective is how can I turn you know, negatives into positives in my mind? Um, I was at, this is a funny timing on this. Uh, Mike convinced me to go to the uh, USA hockey goaltending, uh, coaching course yesterday. I am now a bronze goaltending coach somehow. I don't know how that happened. Congratulations. I, would never, I would never call Very myself nice. a goalie coach, but, <laughs> but I got it. But one of the things that one of the, the coaches said yesterday, Mike was every goal against is a gift. And it was, that was a sage mindset of if it goes in the net, you can learn from it, right? They're not all going to be pretty. And some of them are going to be more obvious than others but it's can you take the goal against and learn every time it's a gift. I I am just like you, Adrian. I'm so passionate about teaching this to our youth and and adults for that matter, but the youth take to it. We need to be implementing these methodologies into the younger audience because we're doing the opposite. All right. And and just to give a kind of a, a, a rounding out to this, you know, you can see at the NHL level, the teams finding success right now are being coached by individuals who seem to understand this. They want it to be playful. They want it to be fun. They understand it's a job, but you, you can see it in, in Colorado, in Tampa Bay, right in Vegas. You know, the, the, the coaching style is let's enjoy this together. That is a lot different than the way things were done when I was a kid, Adrian, when you were a kid, all right? You know, with, with kind of the, some of these old school coaches. But with that said, and this is, what, this is why I do what I do. Adrian, this is probably why what you do what you do. <clears throat> we, uh, we just saw a Russian player take his own life last week at 22 years old or less, I believe. I was on the ice the other week with my daughter. And we were just, it's a stick and puck. And she was just, you know, making snow angels and having a good time. And, you know, I kept this in our little space. And at the other end of the ice, I'm not kidding you, Mike, this would have pissed you off is a, a, I'll say a tier one coach with obviously his kid. He's screaming at his kid and his kid is screaming back. And this is a stick and puck. And and I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like neither one of you wants to be here. Right. And, And so I still see this stuff. And those were saboteurs on both ends with that father and that son, just colliding over and over and over again, no consciousness. Now, I try and approach that with grace, too, If like, you know, I'm not going to go up to those guys on the ice and say, hey, you know, I don't want you are conscious. But, you know, I, I, I hope for those two. Right. Like, I hope they can discover this
2: mm-hmm.
0: as as a community. And Adrian, this is me turning this into to a question now. Obviously, I get passionate about this, too. <clears throat> as a community, we can commit to these ideologies. If you're listening to this show, you obviously believe in it because we talk about it all the time. But it is so important that you give yourself grace with this process of being present. Your mind is, your mind is wired to not stay in the present moment. It, it wants to explore. As you said, Adrian, it wants to be creative. But uh, you talked about if you can find that gap, <clears throat> bring it in and become present and not worry about the past and not worry about the future, man, solutions just present themselves. Right. If those if those if those uh, I, I used to call them negative voices, I call them pressure voices. Now, if they hijack your mind, you're not going to be able to make great decisions. Right. So, Adrian, I, I guess I'm throwing it back to you for more of a comment when it, when it comes to the game. But I, I see this. It's still prevalent. Mike made the great point before of there's this stigma. If if I go to a team and say, no, I'm a mental skills coach. They go, yeah, but what what is that going to do? What What is that going to do for us? Right. <clears throat> I just would love your your general thoughts on this.
2: Well, I I totally agree. I mean, you know, in terms of turning a negative into a positive, so I do think you know some you know the 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 hot stove, the hand on the hot stove. Mm-hmm. You can be frustrated, you know, and and be there for a second. That that could be a driving force, and you could feel you know angry because you know you maybe you're not showing up the way you wanted, but ultimately that has to lead you to a place of expansion you know expansion to me is that that's where you're going to play your best if you're contracted (laughs) forget about it everything's slower your muscles are responding but you know your vision's impaired um so it's really about you know realizing okay you can experience that but you know how do you how do you step into a state where you feel empowered where you know you're going to make progress and that's all you know about expansion so i think you know that's really important and realizing that you know most kids put enough pressure on themselves so if there's you know pressure plus pressure from the outside imagine you know someone like you said a, a young kid at 22 taking his life like that's that's crazy imagine what's going on in someone's head you know to be able to 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 do that so you know realizing you know it's really our responsibility to understand you said something really to touch me yeah it's a business you know there's got to be a level of professionals but that in itself is the bigger picture is life Mm. that is all within life and what's life you know life is i mean if you're not waking up feeling good empowered you know, happy, experiencing joy, whatever you do, you know, it's, it's just not going to feel the same way. So we have to like, you know, get them to get excited about life. Okay, this is a part of life. And, and that's how we should teach hockey, like part of life, something that can help you evolve, even raise your consciousness level, you know, so, you know, in terms of like, hey, okay, I felt anger. I saw it, you know, mm-hmm. I saw it and I, I grabbed it, you know, right. and I said, okay, cool. I can handle that. I Call can, it out. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to turn it into something. I'm going to use that energy, you know, of getting angry frustration and I'm going to turn it and and be a sort of, what do they say? Alchemist. You'll turn it into, yeah. into something and you'll use that energy and you're going to step on and, you know next time on the ice and you're going to make a great play you're going to have this surge of energy so teaching them those principles of life because we're playing the game of life you know hockey's you know just one of the it, things and that's always changing and so you can be playful with that too the absolutely. game of life right you know and that's
3: yeah. and that's least yeah. point too it's going to help you win like you know like we tell the kids all the time like which wolf are you going to feed today like you're going to feed that Oof. that negative horrible, you know, self-defeating wolf, or you're going to feed the the good wolf. Like, and I think it's like, you know, but that's, but if parents and coaches understood that it's actually, it's not like voodoo, it's actually how you're going to win. Like it's, it's the better way. It's the better way to learn and win.
0: Well, and Mike, I want to add this too. And, and Adrian, this is the one that I find um, is the stigma with what we do is there's this misconception that if you're present and peaceful, you will lose your competitiveness. And it is quite the opposite. All right. I am, I've always been competitive. I've had more success with that competitiveness being present than when I felt like I needed to be angry to succeed. Or, or as you said, I wasn't an alchemist, right? I didn't use the energy efficiently. And, you know, I, I, I have become more competitive in a positive way since being present than when I wasn't, and here's the thing, and this is how I also break the stigma, because that's just my word. Who am I? Right. If you look at the greatest of all time. Most of them had an ability to be present better than anybody. Uh, we talked about Schwarzenegger, very present person, Kobe Bryant, very, very present per- person. And they've talked about this. They, they Success leaves clues. Right. Uh, I remember in the Michael Jordan documentary. Right. The last dance. I said it. The most important part of that documentary was not that the Bulls won that last championship. It was people, his, his teammates said in the documentary, he is the most present person I have ever met. He's yeah. also probably the greatest competitor in modern history in sports. It, it's there, my friends, <laughs> the, the, the clues are there. The success stories are there. All right. And, and you know what the funny part about it is there are so many examples of people that are not present failing at the highest levels that it makes you wonder in the first place of why are we subscribing to that over and over again? And and look, the answer is this. We're just learning about the mind now. This is a really recent discovery when you think about it, right? In terms of, oh, like my mind is a muscle and I can train it. And this will be kind of my last question for Adrian because I'm hogging on the mic time here. But one of the keys we didn't talk about here is this. We're talking about the importance of mindfulness, the importance of being present. We did not talk about the importance of practicing it. Right. And it, it is, it is such a key part of it is you don't just achieve mindfulness and you have it. You're not just present all the time. And probably unless you're like a Buddhist monk sitting on a mountain, not speaking somewhere, which is again, no offense to them. That's not going to be me. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily want that life, but this is something, and this is the, the course that you and I take that, or, or the certification that we have is to consistently and constantly practice this multiple times a day. and, and, I'm at a place with it, and Adrian. I don't want to speak for you. I'm at a place with well, I've been doing it for over, you know, a couple of years now. That it's it's natural to me now to just snap my fingers and okay, I'm going to present for two minutes. Um, and man, the the power of that, what that has done for me personally, professionally, with my family, with my kids, has been life changing for me. Right, mm-hmm. I, and I'm curious if you're having the same experience. And then also, how how do you practice your mindfulness every day?
2: Well, I think, yeah, so well put. Uh, um, What I love saying is, you know, we all have an essence to us, you know, like a nature and, you know, just like you were five, you know, 10, like, and now you're older, you know, like, which version of you is real? Well, they're all, you know, that essence. And when you do those reps, you know, you're kind of connecting to that essence, You know, I I love to return, you said, like, competitiveness, because you hear that has to look a certain way. You don't know what's happening inside of someone, you know, he might be like, so I love this. I'm like, and a perfect example is Bruce Lee, you know, I love using Bruce Lee, like, you know, you're talking about, you know, just delivering a punch. It's not like wasting all your energy. It's like being really intentional. Intentional. And it's really almost to the point where you're feeling the energy, you know, so there's, I think there's a real art to it, you know, really sensing and, and so it's really to me it's like getting in touch with that essence, you know, and your inner resources and what's that feel like, can you, you know, make that come alive, mm. and see how that shows up and so like I said, it's not the one making the most noise. It's the one who has, you know, the ability to focus when everybody's like totally distracted, when, you know, they're down two goals and, you know, there's someone who's saying, okay, I'm good. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm focused. I know what I need to do. And then all of a sudden that ability to focus, I think is really, is so important in life. And, there's so many distractions, you know, they even talked about now, you know, there's someone in terms of working with the phones, you know, so you're constantly on your phone being distracted, you know, and that's, you know, taking away from, you know, everything, you moving forward, you being engaged in practice, the way you're showing up. So really recognizing that, that your attention is being can be hijacked at all times, especially now. And to me, a sage, you know, a, a sage skill is is your, your ability to focus, you know, it's like, and that is really, I think kids learn were examples. So they learn by doing, you know, just like the the line learns to, you know, there's some instinct to it. But they learn by simply watching. So if we're the example we can say very little but we're going to create the environment where you know there's going to be success there's going to be focus there's going to be calm you know there's going to be uh, all the things that you need I think to succeed.
0: Totally agree with all of that <laughs> Mike Christy I, I again I know we're getting short on time is there anything else you wanted to ask?
1: That's great. I mean, I think it, it's going to become even more challenging as, as we look at where our kids are headed and, um, you know, their attention spans are getting even shorter. And, um, you know, the discipline isn't quite what it used to be either. So there are a lot of challenges ahead. And I think if parents can get on board with this philosophy, even if, you know, you don't have a bunch of people around you, you're the only one you know, you're, you're, you're paddling against the stream that's going against you, you're going to benefit from this. So, um, it's fantastic. And I think your timing is perfect. Uh, especially now with what our kids are going through. Yeah,
3: and it wasn't, it wasn't too long ago, you know, guys are, you know, smoking darts in the locker room, you know, between periods. So everybody <laughs> learned you know, There's always, there's always, there's always, uh, you know, there, there's evolution, right, of the player and the mind and the body, and we learn that we have to. I mean, you know, we talk about these, you know, great athletes, the Jordans and the Woods and the, you know, the the mental. But but Adrian, I mean, you're in a one percenter. I mean, you're, you're you know, you're in the same boat. I mean, in my opinion, then I, mean, I look at guys like you and say, okay, there's like one percent less of the population in my world, which is hockey, right? That that have played in the stage that you've played in, and if our parents can take just you know your experiences and and you, you know what you're seeing and the fact that you're around other great athletes and you've seen listen i play with some like really great guys right and there were a lot of guys that i'm like i don't even know how they got through the day like mm-hmm. they just like you know they they imagine if you had these tools uh, you know, when you, when you were 10, 11, 12 and us as parents had the tools that said, Hey, you know, just like right now, I mean, I, I can't imagine a kid going into junior hockey without knowing what the weight room is and, 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 and having a nutritionist and all that kind of stuff. Right. So as we develop this knowledge, I mean, I think, you know, following people like yourself and obviously Lee and, and, and knowing that, you know, we can u- utilize these great resources. That's actually much, much easier to get to now, right. Cause it's all here. I mean, this is like you don't have to explore; you just have to Google. You know, I think it's so. It's I think it's just an easier way for us to do it. But maybe, or maybe we have to be off the phone a little longer. Maybe we don't have to Google so much, but uh, get somebody else to tell us. But I think it's great. I really appreciate you coming on because it just uh, you know gives a little more inspiration as we go through the summer and you know into the into the year to find out how to how to put these things um, to work. You know, with our teams.
2: I, can I share one more thing I find is just uh, uh, grab me something I'm learning in the master coaching that I'm doing. I do this is we talk about making contact. So making contact is like, OK, we see you, I see Lee. But actually, do I really like see, you know, the person and, and making contact we talk about in our coaching circle is the carrier wave of communication of so many things of transformation so when you see that kid you see the person not what you're wanting what your intellect what you know the agenda is you actually see how can i serve how can i serve that kid what does he or she need like right now so you create that contact where you see that you know person and i think like if we you know show up in that way and imagine like even the relationships, the level of trust that there's going to be. And these kids will go, you know, they'll do everything when they feel like, wow, this person cares about me, but it's not just kids, it's adults as well. So I want to put that piece of like really connecting, you know, like connecting with, you know, those kids, whatever you're doing and coaching and, you know, drop the agenda a little bit and create that contact. And then you'll see amazing things will happen.
0: I think, Adrian, to your point, if you do that, you're coaching a human being. If you don't do that, you're just coaching a hockey player, right? There you go. And cool. and great coaches, not limited to hockey, create better people. And we, we say on the show all the time, great people become great players. Not, not yeah. the other way around, right? Great player doesn't mean you're going to be a great person. Uh, Adrian, you're a great person. I want to tell everybody, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you follow Adrian on LinkedIn, uh, last name P-L-A-V-S-I-C. All right. Um, Adrian, is there other places people should go? I mean, you put some great content on LinkedIn. I just didn't know if there was another place.
2: Yeah, I think uh, right now, Beyond Performance is what I'm going to have a website up and running. So I can share that with you. But LinkedIn is the main place I kind of put, you know, my contacts. So you can look at Adrian Plastic or Beyond Performance and you'll see me there. And I'm slowly getting active on on facebook and instagram but uh, my website is where really i'm going to share what i do so um yeah I'll, I'll give you that information if i can and mm-hmm. when it's ready but yeah uh, i really appreciate it. it was a real pleasure to exchange
0: yeah, it goes both ways and i'll say an olympian a world junior champion nhl but above all a great human being that trumps all of those although those are pretty good credentials there but that's gonna do it for this edition of our kids play hockey uh if you have loved this episode make sure you give us that five-star review wherever you're listening share with your friends put it in your team communication share adrian's story with the people out there we need to get these messages out there but uh for christy casciano burns mike benelli and adrian plavsick i'm lee elias we will see you on the next edition of our kids play hockey make sure to have a great week everybody see you soon We hope you enjoyed this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. Make sure to like and subscribe right now if you found value wherever you're listening, whether it's a podcast network, a social media network, or our website, ourkidsplayhockey.com. Also, make sure to check out our children's book, When Hockey Stops, at whenhockeystops.com. It's a book that helps children deal with adversity in the game and in life. We're very proud of it. But thanks so much for listening to this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey, and we'll see you on the next episode.